0: Welcome to the Innovation and Government Show, sponsored by Kerasoft. Each month, we'll talk with industry experts who enable innovation and make government more responsive and secure by advancing key technologies. Now, here's your host, Jason Miller.
1: Welcome to the discussion. My guest today is Dan Karyanis, the Director of Public Sector at RSA Archer. Dan, welcome to the discussion. Jason, thanks very much. Uh, Good to hear your voice and um, hope you had a wonderful Thanksgiving. Thank you, it's always good to uh, get, take a couple days off. Uh, let me set just a little bit of context for our discussion. Without a doubt, 2020 will, will be remembered in the federal sector as the year of, of the supply chain risk management. Oh yeah, there's that coronavirus pandemic too, turned everyone world upside down. But let's when we step back from this tragedy, we let's look at, look at how much attention and resources went to supply chain risk management over the last 12 months. From the Defense Department's somewhat challenging rollout of the Cybersecurity Maturity Model Certification or CMMC, to the launch of the Federal Acquisition Security Council to the second part of the Section 889 acquisition rule. At every turn, agencies and vendors face new requirements. The task is so great that the Office of the Director of National Intelligence outlined three broad goals to improve the security of the federal supply chain. These include implementing enhanced capabilities to detect and respond to supply chain threats, and to do more outreach with public and private sector partners about potential and real vulnerabilities. Nearly every agency from ODNI to the FBI to DHS to the Commerce Department is involved in protecting the federal supply chain. And agencies need to take all this data, both from public and private sector sources, and apply it to their specific mission areas. And that's where my guest comes in to tell us how best to do that. Once again, my guest is Dan Karyanis, the Director of Public Sector at RSA Archer. Now, Dan, organizations have been working with technology companies, suppliers, contractors. This supply chain risk management thing is not new, but we've had a lot more focused on it in the, over the last you know year and a half, eighteen months or so. Why is all this focus kind of really bubbled to the top? Well, it's an interesting um, uh, area and certainly a area of growing importance.
0: Uh, you know, with increased uh, threats from nation states, cyber criminals, etc., you know, they've been targeting government organizations for years. They've also been targeting their contractors and their suppliers. Uh, in fact, many of the more recent breaches typically have come in those areas. So you've got technology firms who are leveraging, you know, parts from different manufacturers and a host of suppliers from around the globe. And so there's an ongoing and increasing concern about where do all these technology components come from and are those technology suppliers, do they fully understand who's handling them? You know, think about the uh, chain of custody, if you will. You know, is there the possibility of any malicious code being introduced into some of those uh, technology components? You also have the contractor community who is being leveraged by the government to support their initiatives, support their programs. And uh, so there's this ongoing operational need that agencies have to um, uh, be secure on an ongoing basis and employ best practices, not only within their own environment but also within their contractor community, their supplier community uh, as well. So kind of in short, the way I look at this, the way we look at this is the risk footprint that an agency has has expanded significantly um, and the importance uh, based on a lot of the nation state cyber criminals that are out there about making sure that everybody in that expanded risk footprint is doing um, uh, the best they can to control those environments, secure those environments. So we think of it as an expanded risk ecosystem. And uh, that's one of the things that RSA Archer has been doing to help government organizations as well as the Dib and the commercial organizations as well um, uh, deal with that.
1: I I think that's a great way to put it. Expanded risk footprint. This is not a new expansion. I mean, if you think about over the last 20, 25 years, the government has really, really relied on vendors much more. What, changed is i think the technology and the global supply chain you brought that up in in, an earlier part of our conversation just a minute ago around how there's a host of suppliers around the globe where that tech is being developed comes from is that why do you think it's really again i'll go back to what i said earlier bubble up to the top just because there's a confluence of issues that are now coming together that's giving that has created a wake-up call in many ways
0: yeah, I think a, a wake-up call for sure. Um, a great way to think about it, you highlighted earlier the DOD CMMC initiative. I mean, if you think about that, um, you know, for a while the government has um, pushed more of a voluntary uh, initiative uh, by contractor community, uh, the, the Defense Industrial Base and others, to adhere to government guidelines. But there was never any um, punitive or, or enforced initiative around that cmmc really is driving more of this across the government community in general all the contractors and the product suppliers that are out there um, mandating that they have certain controls and uh, practices in place to ensure to take the level of security up um, because again that expanded footprint that ecosystem um, if you think about the ripple effect of not just the prime contractor but all their subcontractors yeah, I think the government is uh, pushing hard. DoD's initiative is pushing hard to get more people to really understand the the risk as well as the the opportunity, if you will, to uh, shore up security up and down the line.
1: Now, Dan, we could spend probably the entire show talking about CMMC, but since there's a this is much bigger than just that uh, one program, let me just ask you about CMMC. How much does that come up when you talk to? Your, your partners, your clients in, in the government world, is that the talk of the town? Because I can tell you, every story we write, it gets huge numbers, and we know there's a lot of focus on it.
0: Oh, um, absolutely. It comes up all the time. I, uh, as you, as you uh, noted in my title, I mean, I'm responsible for our government uh, business from an RSA Archer perspective, um, but that bleeds into the contractor community as well. Uh, This topic comes up not only with the government uh, organizations that we talk to, by the way, not just DOD, but civilian. There are many civilian agencies that are looking hard at this and what this is about and what this might mean and what this might uh, set up for them to potentially do as well. But also across the contractor community, uh, it comes up all the time. We, in fact, have actually, uh, with um, our um, compliance uh, solution set that we have, We've actually modified it uh, with all the CMMC uh, practices, as well as all the NIST 800-171 controls embedded within it to help contractor organizations um, um, take themselves through a process and ensure they're meeting those guidelines, those controls, those practices. Uh, and we have had several co- folks who have licensed that and put that into use. Uh, so it's it's real, and it comes up all the time.
1: Yeah, I imagine it does because of, of the concern, what will it mean? And now with civilian agencies, and you see this at the General Services Administration as just one example, starting to put it as a piece of the contract and the scope of the contract, as they say it. The other piece to this discussion that I don't want to go down the path around supply chain is the pandemic. I mentioned how 2020 is the year of supply chain risk management. That was a little you know, facetious there because I realize everything is, has really been driven by the pandemic. But that's also changed the way the agencies look at their supply chains, and it's impacted the supply chains, too. How, does that, how, does, how has the pandemic really impacted the way agencies can get the, the technology, the supplies, the services they need?
0: Well, if you think about it, the pandemic, uh, in many cases, uh, has caused agencies to modify their thinking about remote workforce, just as a simple example, uh, as well as their com- contractor community. I've had, you know, legions of employees as well as contractors coming to my buildings, my facilities on an ongoing basis. Now I have had to, as a result of pandemic, accommodate all of them working from home and doing that securely. So, you know, from an RSA perspective, it's you know uh, how do how do we help organizations, um, you know, allow uh, entities and employees to remote in securely and to perform their ongoing mission um, without uh, any impact, you know, to the general public that they serve or the mission that they support. How do they do that securely? So I think the pandemic has really opened people's eyes to how organizations can operate in a more flexible virtual environment, but also uh, uh, understanding the risks around that and therefore needing to put new security controls, processes, procedures, um, uh, privacy standards in place to make sure that they're doing that in a, in, a, in a proper fashion. So I think the pandemic has really caused people to rethink things. And I also think uh, once we get through all this, it's probably modifying the way agencies think about how they're going to do business in the future. I think they'll probably uh, rethink um, and have more flexibility around contractors and employees working remote, and that in turn I think will also cause agencies to have to beef up the way uh, they uh, address security uh, across their enterprise uh, because that that risk footprint, again, increases.
1: I was just about to say that the risk footprint is what's changed in in such a huge way because now it used to be, well, 80% or 90% of my workforce is in the office. I can kind of keep them in a controlled environment, but now with everyone working from home and who knows what their home setup looks like, and, and you can only lock down the laptop so much. From your perspective, is that that's probably the biggest change is, is that risk footprint. But agencies seem to also have adjusted with a sense of urgency that maybe we haven't seen in the past to that new risk footprint. Would you say that that's true?
0: Yeah, I would. Um, I think that... You know, some agencies were already down the path. I know we uh, at RSA Archer, you know, with our customers, we've talked to many of them over the course of, you know, literally almost the last year now. And some of them were probably more uh, prepared, set up for this, Uh, their continuity of operations or a new word I'd like to introduce, uh, or we talk about quite a bit about operational resiliency um, within the organization. you know, many of them were somewhat prepared to deal with this, others were not, and had to hustle, if you will, um, had to really quickly put processes and procedures in place to, again, support the general public, uh, as well as the missions. Uh, but yes, absolutely. I think that uh, this has really forced people to kind of rethink uh, and rebalance um, how they uh, their mission and uh, how they go about business on a daily basis.
1: We hear a lot of buzzwords that pop up over the last six or nine months around like zero trust and identity and access management. Things that were always out there, but now the pandemic has given it, if you will, a, a, a kick in the butt to really get going. At the same time, do you think supply chain also falls in there? Are, are agencies paying maybe more attention today around supply chain risks than they were you know, a year ago, two years ago because of the pandemic? Or, or what is what, what did the pandemic drive around supply chain risk?
0: Well, we have for years been supporting, um, agencies as well as the contractor community and automating the way they manage their supply chain. Uh, anything from just simply putting in place uh, an application to track their uh, supplier community, you know, a supply catalog, if you will, supplier catalog. Um, not just the individual organizations, but maybe contracts they might have in place or the technologies they acquire from them, uh, et cetera, all all those types of things. I think what the pandemic really did was it caused people to reflect in a very quick way, um, not just on themselves, but understanding the reliance they have on their contractors, uh, their suppliers. It forced them to reevaluate and think through, again, this idea of operational resiliency. How do I ensure that I am continuing business as usual I don't have to be completely down and out before I implement a coup plan. I've actually, I am operationally resilient. I'm up, I'm running, I'm continuing to provide products, services, what have you, to the, the public or to my employees uh, on an ongoing basis. And I think that this has caused uh, the contractor community as well to have to think about zero trust. It has caused the contractor community to think about how they deal with uh, the fact that you know they are such an integral part of an organization and agency's um, enterprise, and therefore part of the um, you know uh, the risk posture of that a- that agency. How, in fact, do they help uh, enhance that by implementing best practices within their own uh, their own architectures, security architectures, uh, as well as within uh, their enterprise?
1: Dan, on that note, let's take a quick break. When we come back. We can continue our conversation about supply chain risk. You're listening to the discussion, innovation and in government, sponsored by Carisoft on Federal News Network.
0: Digital transformation is magnifying the scope of risk for federal agencies, introducing more third-party relationships, increasing exposure for sensitive and highly regulated data, and expanding the digital attack surface where threat actors thrive. RSA Archer empowers our clients to embrace digital transformation while managing risk in the digital era, uniting stakeholders, integrating technologies, and transforming risk into reward. Are you ready to accelerate your agency's digital transformation? Visit RSA.com. That's RSA.com
1: welcome back you're listening to the discussion innovation and government sponsored by carisoft on federal news network i'm your host jason miller my guest today is dan karyanis the director of public sector at rsa archer dan you brought up operational resiliency several times in the last segment let me go down that path for more because i think one of the things that government agencies can do is to stay have to get in front of those supply chain challenges to ensure that operational resiliency walk me through a little bit about the the consistency of performance the security side how to bring those together so the supply chain doesn't have that if it a lagging effect on that operational resiliency, performance, security, and the like?
0: Yeah. So if you think about it, uh, the way we look at things from an RSA Archer perspective, operational resiliency, again, as I stated, it just it, it helps organizations. Uh, it, it's our way of helping organizations reflect on how do they continue to be up, running, and providing the product, services, capabilities that they they need to to support missions, programs that the and the general public. And at, at the end of the day, organizations that we have run into uh, have really not uh, put in um, automated processes, uh, automated capabilities uh, to track the supplier community that they have. Um, to monitor and and measure their performance on an ongoing basis. Uh, You used the word trust earlier. So in many cases, you have government agencies that are trusting that contractors are doing the right thing on an ongoing basis. So we have seen agencies moving quickly and we've helped them uh, where they're deploying um, software solutions where they are tracking, monitoring uh, and requiring their supplier community to uh, attest, demonstrate that they're secure on an ongoing basis. You know they have controls in place, they have processes and procedures, practices in place that they're they're doing this. So agencies are holding um, supplier community entities accountable uh, on a, a more rigorous basis, and they're requiring people to attest, to demonstrate, to show that they're doing this. Um, and we are able to do that using technology today where we, uh, we were able to drive controls, uh, be able to pull information and be able to help contractors uh, show a government organization that uh, the following things are being done to um, protect data that maybe they might be managing for the government or access the networks whatever those things might be or the component parts that they're providing for uh, technologies that they're providing are, um, are basically um, secure and uh, there's a good chain of custody around those things. So we've seen more contractors and more government agencies really driving down the path of putting tools in place where they can automate inspection processes, controls are in place uh, to ensure best practices and security are being met.
1: It's the old trust but verify. It keeps coming up whenever we get into the cybersecurity world. Uh, I trust you to you do the right thing, but I'm going to make sure you're doing it.
0: Yeah, I was going to say, you hit it
1: right on the head. You know, it's trust but verify. I mean, it's been a concept that's been around
0: for, I mean, forever, but um, still very much holds today. And as a result of the pandemic, uh, I think uh, as people have had to modify the way that they do business, I think it's increased the spotlight, uh, back to your question earlier, about suppliers. And I need to now think of them, again, as part of my broader risk profile, my um, my. Um, broader ecosystem uh, that we like to talk about and you just, you know, we have to make sure that everybody's doing the right thing. Um, you know, again, a bad actor only needs to be able to succeed once for bad things to occur. So uh, it's in everybody's best interest the government as well as their contractor community to up their game. And, um, you know, the supplier community is an area that the government has certainly been focused on here as of late, uh, because of that.
1: Help me dig deeper into this concept of using technology, whether it's a software solution or some sort of automation to do the trust, but verify. Is it a matter of (laughs) what would go into it? Generally speaking, I know every agency is different and every supplier is different, but maybe give me a high level view in case of one of our listeners is going, yeah, that sounds great, but it's impossible to do, or or there's no way I can automate something that complicated.
0: Well, um, yeah, I, you know, Rome wasn't built in a day, uh, and so I think it's uh, really not uh, feasible for an agency to just stand up a highly automated uh, vendor management program in a, in a short period of time. It's kind of, we view it as kind of a crawl, walk, run process. So in the beginning, particularly for maybe medium and smaller agencies that don't have the resources, they're probably managing their suppliers, uh, their contractors today in a very, uh, I would say, a very manual way. We see that quite a bit, you know, spreadsheets, you know, I'm documenting, I'm calling suppliers, I'm validating things. So putting the software tool in place where I can automate the the collection process just within one environment and potentially sharing that across my organization. So other organizations, you know, if I've got a relatively stove-piped organization, wouldn't it be nice to be able to share that information across the enterprise about an individual supplier So just establishing a supplier catalog is a basic start. From there, I could evolve to, I am now maybe requiring those contractors to provide me information, maybe from automated tools, vulnerability scan tools, whatever that might be. I wanna bring that information in and I wanna be able to highlight that, document that, and attach that, if you will, to that particular vendor. We've seen organizations that have leveraged um, or we have a vendor portal. So we have contractors today that have to go into a a, a portal environment where they're adding all this information, uh, providing whatever uh, documentation the government's requiring scan data, et cetera. And the government agency can access that portal, bring that in so they can assess those vendors in particular, when I'm about to bring on new vendors. Um, another area that we have seen where people have leveraged, uh, or technologies and capabilities is um, independent uh, virtual assessments. So there are um, technologies and capabilities out there today to perform independent uh, vulnerability assessments of a third party contractor. And uh, how secure are they from a um, public state, f- public facing perspective? So there are a lot of different things that we have seen organizations do uh, where they're starting to leverage technologies and tools, but it's an evolutionary thing to be taught totally honest with you, Jason. I mean, it, it's, it's a crawl, walk, run process, but we have seen many government agencies. We've helped many government agencies really kind of get down that path pretty fast. Do
1: you get a sense of where the government is as compared to maybe the private sector? Are they both in the crawl stage? Are they, are they getting toward the run stage? Where Where would you put them uh, from a government perspective, just based on the clients you work with and the people you see? Um. Uh, I'd say it's a cross-section, depending on how you slice it. If
0: you think about the the financial community today, think about big banks today. I think they do a lot of this very well. We work with many of them on the commercial side. There are many government agencies that are doing uh, it well, uh, uh, in addition to just the financial community. You have, in my mind, um, mid-tier and smaller organizations who, again, my comment earlier about not having people, the technologies, uh, the financial wherewithal sometimes to do things as well. We tend to find that they're not as efficient, they're not as effective, they don't have as much visibility um, uh, into their supplier environments. And so we see you know, oftentimes that's where there's more risk. We find that we're helping more of them uh, over the course of time uh, at a accelerated pace. So larger agencies that have the, the capabilities of manpower, people power, the uh, uh, the financial will uh, uh, budgets rather and the the will to go about um, enhancing their vendor programs they're doing it well uh, they understand the importance of it it's that mid-tier I would describe it mid-tier government agencies mid-tier commercial organizations and, and smaller where we probably see more gaps in what they're doing and, and those are areas where we've been helping a lot of a lot of folks out these days
1: do you get a sense that this focus from the government over the last again 18 months or so is starting to impact the way the commercial world is thinking, operating, looking at supply chain risk? 100%. I mean, just back
0: to the conversation we had earlier, uh, briefly about CMMC, uh, that is absolutely, in my mind, really causing um, commercial organizations. It's starting with the defense industrial base, but there is like a throwing a, a pebble into, uh, into a pond and the ripple effect, it, the tier two, tier three, tier four contractors subcontractors, suppliers, there is an absolute ripple effect. If you have to be a level four, level five within CMMC, you know, that ripples all the way through. So we're seeing more commercial market looking at what the government is doing in this particular area. And again, uh, legitimately, it's the folks that are doing business with the government every day, but that's expanded many organizations thinking about how do they, and how should they be doing that on an ongoing basis themselves? So, um, NIST itself has been doing a lot of work in this area, I have a, a study they're about to kick off around uh, supply chain, um, and uh, they drive those best practices and standards out into the, the public, the commercial marketplace as well. So the government's doing a lot of good here in terms of taking care of themselves and, and the way they think about supply chain, and I absolutely see a ripple effect in the commercial market
1: space as well. And it will continue, as you said, NIST in that study. It's something we'll be very interested in seeing as well. Uh, Dan, we're just about out of time before I let you go. Well, give me a couple of recommendations about, for, for large and or small agencies in terms of how should they should manage their supply chain. What's what, what, what are a couple of potholes to avoid? What are a couple of best practices you've seen over the last uh, a few, few, few years? So I think
0: uh, first and foremost, um, it's, Again, the, the realization, the acknowledgement that your contractors and your supplier community is an integral part of your ongoing operations. Uh, and you know, quite candidly, over the last uh, five, 10, 15, 20 years, depending on the agency, in many cases, has expanded its importance as it supports that agency's ongoing operations. So really understanding that, embracing that, uh, that they are an extension of your operational risk profile, and you need to account for that on an ongoing basis whether you're a large agency, medium-sized, smaller entity, just understanding the impact that the contractor and supplier community has to your agency and, um, and understand and embrace the fact that they are a part of your operational risk uh, uh, profile. Second, um, agencies I do believe need to uh, work harder to leverage technology uh, to track, monitor um, their extended ecosystem. You know, um i think many agencies have moved beyond but there are still some that do a lot of this in a very manual way and so leveraging technologies that are out there so they can automate uh, just the categorization of their um, of their partners and uh, their contractors their suppliers uh, and then taking it to the next level of not only categorizing all that but now how am i monitoring that on on an ongoing basis um, each and every day and sharing that information across my organization, so we're leveraging best practices. We have good con- we have contractors that are doing the same, and I'm enhancing um, the agency's capability while reducing risk. Um, I mentioned uh, a minute ago uh, things like uh, a vendor portal or independent uh, assessments. So there are a lot of um, capabilities out there today where agencies uh, can em- employ other tools. Uh, where they can, in fact, assess in a very independent, anonymous way um, their vendors, uh, their contractors, their suppliers. Um, so it's that you know, trust but verify, if you will, and making sure that that, um, that is, in fact, occurring on an ongoing basis uh, to make sure that, again, I have mitigated and reduced the risk because of my increased dependency of uh, the suppliers that are, that are out there.
1: All right, Dan, this is a topic that we will continue to talk about for a long time, but unfortunately for today, we're out of time. So let me thank my guest, Dan Karianis, is the Director of Public Sector at RSA Archer. Dan, always great to catch up. Thank you for your time today. Thanks very much, Jason. Uh, Good to uh,
0: talk to you, and you have a good day as well.
1: I'm Jason Miller, and you've been listening to the discussion, Innovation in Government, sponsored by Carisoft on Federal News Network. For more on this discussion, visit federalnewsnetwork.com and search Innovation.
0: Thank you for listening to the Innovation and in Government Show, sponsored by Kerasoft on Federal News Network. The entire discussion can be found on demand at federalnewsnetwork.com, keyword innovation.